This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Kia ora te Welcome to the AA Live radio show. It's wonderful to have you out there with us this evening. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. That's a 12-step program that uh, we work together with and we help other people who want to do it. It's all about alcoholics helping other alcoholics. So thank you for joining us around the motu this evening and maybe even parts of the world is what I have recently been told. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous, it is a service based on alcoholics helping other alcoholics. We do the mahi together through the 12 steps. We retain our anonymity because that tends to be very important for us. There are people that come into Alcoholics Anonymous from all walks of life. Now I'm going to open the show this evening with the Serenity Prayer, Karakia. So join me out there if you would like. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. So thank you. I would also like to start off today just reading the preamble, which we start at each meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Now you may be wondering, where is my co-host this evening? Unfortunately, we've had a bit of a muck up on times today and it is purely my fault that I am sitting here with you alone this evening, but I hope you enjoy the show at any rate. I'd just like to offer too that any opinions that I put out there this evening, they are purely my opinions, not of anybody else uh, within AA or not necessarily that of the Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole. Now I am going to read our daily reflection today. There's all sorts going on in the show this evening. We are going to have this daily reflection. We are actually going to listen to a friend of mine's story who is no longer residing in New Zealand, but has been on my mind a lot of late. So I've dug out into the archives and I'm going to play that one for you again. I think he has a great story. He always gave me a lot of hope 
when listening to him. So yeah, that's coming in and a bit of bit of music to put diggy boogie on down to, I should say. So here we go with the daily reflection. Now this is something that we read also at the beginning of each meeting. And today's one I am doing is July the twenty fifth. Those who still suffer. For us, if we neglect those who are still sick, there is unremitting danger to our own lives and sanity. And that comes from our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book on page 151. I know the torment of drinking compulsively to quiet my nerves and my fears. I also know the pain of white-knuckled sobriety. Today, I do not forget the unknown person who suffers quietly, withdrawn and hiding in the desperate relief of drinking. I ask my higher power to give me his guidance and the courage to be willing to be his instrument to carry within me compassion and unselfish actions. Let the group continue to give me the strength to do with others what I cannot do alone. And I did read that earlier on today and I just wanted to say, I gosh, I remember the white knuckling. Every time I said to myself, I'm not going to drink today, I'm going to be able to do this and yeah, sometimes it would be a week that I wouldn't have a drink, sometimes it would be months, sometimes it was actually years but it was there, when it came to those times of years it wasn't for me uh, that I was doing that, it was because somebody else had that expectation of me and it was necessary. But uh, I have to say, white knuckling, I'm not sure if any of you out there are aware of it, but my personal description of it is having no peace or joy in not drinking, having that time. Life was still having its hurdles. Nothing was changed. I was just not drinking. My actions were still the same. It wasn't a good time. Uh, So, yeah, and now, well, here I am on the radio show sharing some time with you, being there for others where I can be, and every day I do say to my higher power to please guide those into the rooms today that need to be there, and I can only hope that that's what's happening. So you are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Now this morning we did a uh, number draw for our songs today, so I couldn't even tell you what song I'm going to play. But uh, here it comes. This is The Lottery. Oh, Daddy.
back i did not expect to hear that but i hope you enjoyed it anyway prince wonderful wonderful amazing talent we're very lucky to have him have his music still here i must say right i wanted to just talk about a couple of things and that is is aa for you now we have a pamphlet uh, which you can access obviously physically or you can access on the internet on aa.org.nz and it has 12 questions, questions that only you can answer. And I just wanted to put them out there today, something to ponder. If you're listening to this and thinking, is this for me? Have you ever decided to stop drinking for a week or so, but only lasted 
a couple of days. Most of us in AA made all kinds of promises to ourselves and to our families. We could not keep them. We came to AA with just try not to drink today. And if you do not drink today, you cannot get drunk today. So we do go by one day at a time. Question number two was, do you wish people would mind their own business about your drinking and stop telling you what to do? If you answer yes today, well, in AA, we do not tell anyone to do anything. We just talk about our own drinking, the trouble we got into, how we stopped, you know, come along to a meeting. Number three is have you ever switched from one kind of drink to another in the hope that this would help keep you from getting drunk? Personally, I had a big tick for that one. But we tried all kinds of ways. We made our drinks weak. We just drank beer. We didn't drink cocktails. We only drank on weekends. You name it, we've tried it. But if we drank anything with alcohol in it, we usually got drunk eventually because there's that saying... One drink is never enough. So you always, after that first one, that's the one that starts that craving where you just want to keep going. So that's a, that's a uh, yes from me as well. Have you had to have an eye-opener upon awakening during the past year? Do you need a drink to get started or to stop shaking? Now, I don't know about anybody else out there, but... When you've got uh, that hangover in the morning and you're shaking, it might be just your hands, it might be your arms, it could be your whole body. Uh, yeah, you've definitely marked a yes on that one. This is a pretty sure sign that you're not drinking socially. You're actually poisoning your body. You've got an issue with alcohol. Because that's pretty much what alcoholism is as well. One factor of it, I should say. A lot of it, uh, yeah, it's... You're poisoning yourself. You're putting something into your body that makes you have an insatiable craving for it. And actually, it doesn't work well for your body. Number five is, do you envy people who can drink without getting into trouble? If you've answered that, then at one time or another, most of us have wondered why we're not like most people who can take it or leave it. And that, once again, goes back to that insatiable craving. Number six is, have you had problems connected with drinking during the past year? Now, you have to be honest. Doctors say that if you have a problem with alcohol and keep drinking, it will get worse, never better. And I have to say that was truly the fact for my life. Eventually, you can die or you can end up in an institution for the rest of your life. It's what we call wet brain. You can't string words together. You don't even remember how to feed yourself. The only hope is to stop drinking. Number seven, has your drinking caused trouble at home? Before we came into AA, most of us said that it was the people or problems at home that made us drink. We could not see that our drinking just made everything worse. So it never solved any problems to drink anywhere, anytime. But I have to say for myself, if there was a problem, anything as small as, oh, they've, they've taken my program off the TV for today because there's some big other event happening. Oh, that'd be a reason enough for me to drink. Now, 
that sounds completely insane to me these days, but I tell you, when it was happening, that was a justification to me to drink. Number eight, do you ever try to get extra drinks at a party because you do not get enough? You know when you hear that sound, they go, right, this the bar is closing soon, so you'll quickly get up and you'll order two or three drinks just to keep you going. Or you're at a wedding and it's a free bar, and so you're purposely going in there and having as many as you possibly can because it's a free bar. Those things are something you might want to think about. Number nine, do you tell yourself you can stop drinking any time you want to, even though you keep getting drunk when you don't mean to? Now, many of us kidded ourselves into thinking that we drank because we wanted to. After we came into AA, we found out that once we started to drink, we couldn't stop. And hence why we do one day at a time. If we don't pick up a drink today, we can't get drunk. Number 10, have you missed days of work or school because of drinking? Many of us admit now that we called in sick lots of times when the truth was that we were hungover or we were still drunk. Uh, I have to admit that was definitely me at several times. 11. Do you have blackouts? Now a blackout is when we have been drinking hours or days that we cannot remember. And when we came into AA we found that this is a pretty sure sign of alcoholic drinking. It was interesting when I walked into AA I thought, no I didn't have blackouts, I just fell asleep. And then I started to understand what a blackout was. It was not sleeping. It was not remembering and I, as I have spent more and more time on the sober journey, I am realising there are more and more things I do not remember. So it's a, it's a big one, that one actually. And number 12, well it was for me anyway. Number 12, have you ever felt that your life would be better if you did not drink? Many of us started to drink because drinking made life seem better, at least for a while. I remember it made me feel like I could fly to the moon and back and from feeling terrible to all of a sudden feeling like I could do that, it was amazing. It was the elixir I needed to be me. I wasn't shy anymore. I was fun when I first drank. I thought life was a great big party and let's all have a good time is very different by the end of it, that's for sure. Uh, But many of us started to drink because of that. And by the time we got into AA, we were trapped. We were drinking to live and living to drink. We were sick and tired of being sick and tired. It was a struggle. Yeah, it, it was a real struggle. So depending on how many times you said yes to yourself... If you answered yes four or more times, well, if so, you're probably having in trouble. You're probably having you're in trouble with alcohol. Let's say. Now we say that because thousands of people in AA have said so for many years. They found out the truth about themselves, and it was the hard way. But again, only you can decide whether you think AA is for you. If the answer is yes. We'll be glad to show you how we stop drinking ourselves. Just 
pick up the phone, dial that 0800 AA Works line or jump on the internet, find aa.org.nz if you're in New Zealand and check out when there's a meeting wherever you live. On that website it shows where there are meetings everywhere across the motu. So do get in there even if you're unsure the door always swings open for you even if you decide you're going to go out and do some more research we're still going to be there there are always members in Alcoholics Anonymous so you can go out come back in we'd love to see you right I'm going to play us another song from our dip in the bowl this morning and let's see what pops up Gets dark enough to see the colors, the city lights, a trail of ruby, red, and diamond white. It's like a sunrise. She comes and goes and comes and goes like no one
hope you enjoyed that. John Mayer. I remember having a drink with some people in a bar once talking about John Mayer. Quite an extensive conversation and about his hidden talents and what an amazing guitarist he was. I could not remember where that was though. So there you go. There's part of that uh, blackout side of life. Now, we are going to listen to my lovely friend Steve's story. You are listening to the AA Live Radio Show tonight in association with our friends on Otago Access Radio on FM 105.4 FM. I hope you enjoy Steve's story. It gave me a lot of hope, so enjoy that. Well, hi, I'm Steve and I am an alcoholic. Just that phrase in itself carries so much weight for me because... um, My journey to sobriety has been up and down, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, (laughs) at least I hope not, that uh, it's had it that way. I started in AA 22 years ago, and I am on what I believe is my sixth recovery now, and um, this has been by far the, the most... The most amazing one, the most complete, and it's all because of acceptance on my part. That and, of course, the Dunny Eden Fellowship here in AA, which is unbelievable. And I know that because I've been to AA all over the world, all over the world, in languages I don't even understand. Um, but, you know, you can, you can feel it just the same. Um, a little bit of background, I'm... I'm a professional musician, and I've been one my entire life, which is amazing in itself because most people don't make a living doing that. Um, that as well as being a, um, a studio owner, record label owner, and an audio engineer and producer. So, ooh, that sounds exciting. Well, if you look at it from the, uh, from the standpoint of the prevalence of alcoholism, it's not as exciting. Um, Born and raised in Los Angeles as a musician, notice I didn't say I grew up in Los Angeles because if you're born and raised as a musician in L.A., you don't actually grow up. We're still waiting for that to happen. It's, it's just started. I promise. It's just started. <laughs> um, so came from a musical family, um, had famous relatives in the business um, and it was between professional sports being baseball and music and I chose music very early on Um, that led to quite a long time of having a hedonistic approach to life I was just there to enjoy everything because everything enjoyable was just laid at my feet. I I did get the idea that this was what life was going to be like. This is how life worked. Um, everybody gives me everything even if I'm doing the wrong things to be given those. Um, I <laughs> I have a very apt title for a autobiography memoir that nobody will ever read coming soon to a wastebasket near you um, <laughs> but it does encapsulate the whole life in, in one little phrase it's rewarded for bad behavior yeah 
um, as a rock musician in the 70s and 80s and in, you know, performing into the 90s. I've toured the world three or four times. And, uh, uh, yeah, the, the lifestyle, the job description, so to speak, uh, virtually mandated you having fairly bad behavior, you know, um, overindulging in everything. Uh, if you were a little bit irreverent, well, a lot irreverent would get you paid even more, get you more attention. Um, if you uh, if you drank a lot, well, drinking even more would get your name in the papers. <laughs> and apparently, there is no bad publicity. That's in hindsight, I, I dispute that. But at the time, yeah, sure. Well, good, you got your name in the paper for knocking over a table in a fine restaurant, or yeah. But these, uh, these tendencies really stunted, if not stopped, emotional maturity, um, growing up to be a responsible adult, a functioning member of society. Those all got pushed by the wayside. Um, I was never a physically abusive person. I was always actually quite nice, and I was the kind of drinker that – uh, I was the happy drunk and my tolerance was high and I could still do my jobs to a uh, exceptional level drunk that was uh, in hindsight it was a very bad thing it's like oh well if you're a functioning alcoholic you can continue to be guess what a functioning alcoholic in the short term, that was a good thing because I didn't lose my job or, or disgrace myself every day. Um, uh, in the long term, it was horrible because it allowed me just to continue getting worse as an alcoholic. Then came a, a point in time very far into it. This would be my early 40s where um, – I started to metabolize alcohol differently. My body had a different reaction to the intake of alcohol. And I went from that, give him another drink, he'll make you laugh even more guy, uh, to the one that uh, would occasionally say some mean and hurtful things. Um, to the one that started to have, ah, the dreaded blackout. I don't exactly remember how I got home, where am I type of thing. It uh, happened almost overnight. Uh, it, it really was. Just one day I was the happy guy, and the next day I was something different. And I stayed that negative something different. From that time, it was actually seven years of putting my wife and family through hell before I accepted that fact and started to deal with it. I'd... Uh, I, I had liked to think I was a fairly intelligent guy. And when I started off uh, in my, my drinking and all of that, I really felt I knew better. You know, I, I could control this. I could manage this. Sound familiar, anybody? You know. And, um, oh, it was so long into it before I found out I was wrong. If I were to quantify the, the – 
question we all get asked is, so what do you think alcohol's done to you? What's the cost been? And they're not talking about financial. What's the cost to your life been? I, I have a unique um, viewpoint and an area I can quantify that and I can actually give it a number. When I started my drinking, um, I had just had an IQ test done. I was only 18 years old and um, I was fairly high. It was, it was, uh, and two years ago, after having uh, spent time with the psychiatrists and psychologists, I had a, a very intensive psychological workup profile done. And that included, lo and behold, another IQ test which came 30 points lower. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So there's a there's a number you can put to the cost of it. My IQ went down by 30 points. Mm. Ooh. I'm glad it started high enough. But um, so that was a very sobering effect. And it's one of the great things that uh, helped lead to actually accepting the facts and using the tools. But... I think the important um, part I had to realize from early on was that I had um, no knowledge or or uh, verification of many of the things that lead somebody to be an alcoholic. I did not come from an alcoholic family at all. I didn't come from they they didn't even smoke, you know? um, and I had the model American, you know, upper middle class, perfect. You know, leave it to Beaver upbringing. <laughs> uh, um, I I am adopted and felt loved and cared for my entire time. So for me, the drinking was a choice. It was a choice, um, and it wasn't that I drank like a gentleman. I might have started that way because, uh, but I didn't want to drink beer. I didn't like the taste. I didn't want to drink wine. I had to drink too much of it. I literally drank to get drunk. I enjoyed the sensation. I enjoyed the feeling. Um, and again, here was a lot of the rewarded for bad behavior. It was allowed to continue because it was more than accepted in my profession. Mm. So strange set of circumstances leading to the exact same place we all come to. If we're listening to this show, it's, well, it's because we're alcoholics and we're in recovery. And uh, we have that desire to stop drinking. There have been so many advances and setbacks, advances, setbacks, which um, I don't like to look at as a setback, really, because every single one of my recoveries has been a learning experience and I learned a little more each time what's amazing is that if I was intelligent I would have taken the program a lot earlier wouldn't I so maybe I'm just not as smart as I gave myself credit for and that in itself was another part of the ego getting in my way um, and that's been that's been the, pretty much the story. I'll t I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll save some of it for just a moment. And there's that hope I was talking about. I, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing story. So he 
to me, he can now see it, you know, seventh time through, and he's really got hold of the program by now. Yeah, that's incredible for me. We are going through to hear the last part of his journey in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like to say I realized I had a problem and came in and started all this on my own. No, it was actually strongly recommended by the state of California that I not drink and drive anymore. <laughs> that didn't happen until I was, um, I believe it was in my late 30s, maybe 40 years old, uh, that I got my first drink-drive charge. And um, I thought I was immune. I th- No, I... You know, how many times did you drive drunk? Well, just the one I got caught on, right? No, no, not how many times did you get caught? How many times did you drive? Well, how many days are there in a year times? Okay, the math gets staggering. Um, but I didn't get it the first time. I was required to go to um, AA meetings, a whopping two a week. Um, and um, once every two weeks had a group counseling session. To me, that was nothing more than a little slap on the wrist. I, I did not embrace it. I did not get it. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't really learn anything. Um, I have referred to it as a life annoyance. Within the three months it was done, I drank all through it. Uh, okay. Well, a couple of years later, I got my second drink drive. And this, instead of a life annoyance, became a life interruption because they take your license for a year. Completely different from my normal character of rewarded for bad behavior, I didn't do what most people do and continue to drive and hope I didn't get caught. I actually didn't drive. Okay, well, to my uh, logical thinking, which uh, wasn't really very logical, that meant that my, my... lovely wife would take me to work and one of the people from work would drive me back but of course I worked different places different hours all the time so this wasn't easy but what it did mean was if I wasn't going to drive I could drink brilliant Steve (laughs) really that's so that's what you got out of it yeah um, recovery too was pretty much um, figuring out all of the ways to get around actually recovering Okay, well, then things definitely started to change. Um, Because now the recoveries become voluntary. So the uh, things I learned, the education, the things I started to admit and grow also started to expand. Um, Although at an amazingly slow pace, yeah. Uh, If there's anything that I could hope to... To impart, it would be uh, to try and help shorten the time it takes somebody to actually accept the gift of sobriety. Because let me tell you, I have done personal extensive research in avoiding it for 22 years. And I can tell you, it doesn't work any other way except the way that it's worked for millions and millions of people over 80 plus years which was the way it's written. Well, no, I'm, I thought nothing that old could still be actually valid and pertinent in today's society, right? No, that would be wrong. It's absolutely the correct way to go about it. 
Um, I've been to a, a long program um, in in Hawaii, uh, a year-long program, um, really taken a lot of the steps to ensure an ongoing life in sobriety. And even at those, I have managed to um, have a slip, have a have a fall, um, fall flat on my face, if you will, and have to get back up and start all over again. Well, this time, why is this time so much different? There would be two factors. For one, I have finally became willing to accept the fact that my not only was I an alcoholic and that my life had become unmanageable, but I accepted both of them at the same time. You know, I, again, tried to just do as much as I needed to to be able to have everybody think I was okay and then start drinking again because, of course, I'd be able to manage it. This time, nope, never was. All the excuses, all the reasons, all of my playing the victim, all of my blaming everyone else, it all came to an end, finally. And I started to really accept, really accept the things. I never had realized that 22 years ago when I first came into the rooms of AA, the tools to recovery were laid at my feet, right in front of me. There they were. And I said, okay, there's something down there by my feet. And then I looked away and and ignored them. No, I don't need those. I can do this myself. Those tools stayed there while I tripped over them, uh, walked around them, kicked them out of the way before I actually realized what those were sitting there. And that's what became so clear um, here in this particular current recovery is that I picked one of them up and I looked at it. And I I say it in threes because these are the three things that mattered so much to me. The first one was the first step. I was like, admit that I am an alcoholic and that my life has become unmanageable. Both things at the same time. And even more importantly, I'm an alcoholic And I accept and realize that I am going to be an alcoholic for the rest of my life. Well, that puts a whole different perspective on it. At least it did for me. Now I know that this is something I need to be mindful and vigilant of the rest of my life. Okay, that has actually lifts a weight off of my shoulders. I don't have to have the anxiety, the stress, the worry, the wonder about how to deal with this. This is how long you're going to have it. So you know, get your life in order and start enjoying it again. Um, the, uh, one of the others um, was the serenity prayer for me, probably the, the biggest one. And uh, that I use all the time now. It was just something I had to say at the beginning and the end of a meeting, you know, because, well, we can't get going if I don't say this now, and we can't end if I don't say it at the end. It's like, what were the words I'm using? What were the words? Much like, hi, I'm Steve, and I'm an alcoholic. No, I, no, I had to say that before I could share, and if I didn't share, well, I 
couldn't get out of the meeting and go on. No, those were so important. Uh, the serenity prayer, again, it takes the weight off of your shoulders, the stress, the anxiety, the worry, because I accept the things I can't change. Oh, well, that's way easier than beating my head against the wall trying to. Um, you know, the, the courage to change the things I can. Well, now that I know I ha- don't have to waste all my time and energy trying to th- change things I can't, I'm more than glad to take on the things I can. Besides, I feel better when I accomplish them. <laughs> um, uh, the wisdom to know the difference. Much like being an alcoholic and going to be one the rest of my life, that one will continue to present itself. The wisdom, yeah, growing in wisdom all the time. Um, and I don't expect to ab- ever actually get there and say, oh, I have wisdom now. No, no. It'll be some. That's ongoing. That's what keeps me in sobriety. It's been an amazing journey, and accepting these things helps so much. The, th- the third thing that I wonder and I know comes from the, um, comes from the groups is the acceptance of a higher power. I believe I was an atheist for much of my life until I actually realized that, no, I believed in something, so I was only agnostic. Um, with that, I searched for and I wanted proof of the existence of something I, that I, I felt I needed to have a name for. Come to find out, I didn't need to have a name for it. All I had to do was accept that there is a higher power. And it said, of your understanding, the God of your under, own understanding. That didn't mean I actually had to understand. It, just, it was just my own understanding. Oh, good. Well, here's more stress and weight and anxiety lifted off the shoulders. This is a really good trend. Um, I've, I found my proof. The proof I'd been hoping existed for all of my life in the rooms of AA. Um, I gave my higher power its own name. Um, I call it IT. I-T, capital I-T, out of respect, it's a proper name. You know? um, and that was because I don't know if it's a man, a woman. I don't think it has a throne and a white beard. And I don't know whether it's uh, above or below. I, I don't know any of that. Maybe some of you do, and congratulations if that, that's the case, but I, I still don't. So my higher power is it for me. And first I realized that I had found out where it resided. It resided in the rooms of AA. Well, now that meant I had its actual physical address. I could go and visit it anytime I wanted to. And I did a lot of that, and I still do. Um, <laughs> I then there were there were questions there there were things I didn't know I needed answers to and I got all of those through the rooms of AA through the members of AA the people saying exactly what I needed to hear at exactly the right time having no way to know that's exactly what I needed to hear or that was the burning question in my head that was answered that day there is no explanation for that happening, especially to somebody with my past beliefs, than the existence and proof of a higher power. Oh, wow. I could now um, 
commune with my higher power. I could speak to. I could talk to. Uh, and this was just more and more proof of it. All of this, when you start combining all of these elements, led to a period of personal growth and the maturity. <laughs> it's funny, I thought maturity was going to be painful because I kind of thought I was going to get to be a child the rest of my life. <laughs> um, the actual growing up learning things, becoming um, a better member of the human race and uh, is not painful. It wasn't painful. It's actually quite got a lot of enthusiasm for it. I'm, I'm quite motivated to continue the, the exponential growth spurt of personal, personal growth, personal enlightenment. Um, it doesn't have to be anything to do with an organized form of religion. It, it doesn't. It just has to be uh, the acceptance of, you're not really running the show, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to think I was ready for this all by myself, and no matter where I was in the world, that it would have happened at this time. But that would be the arrogant ego coming on, roaring back into the room and wanting to take all of the oxygen. No, that, I have to look at it as it... Somehow, through the guidance of the higher power, this happened in Dunedin, and it happened um, in large part because of the strength of the Dunedin Fellowship in AA. It is remarkable. Again, take my word on this one. I've been to AA all over the world. I've been in many fellowships, and, and they're all wonderful, and they're, they're all just so necessary. They really, really are. But for me... The Dunedin Fellowship was exactly what I needed times 10 at exactly the time I needed it. It's the most wonderful, um, wonderful, all-inclusive fellowship that I have seen in all of my travels and years here on Earth. And I'm, I'm not all that young. so. I would like to thank you for spending the evening with me. I've enjoyed your company out there, just even knowing that you're out there. I want to do a couple of closing acknowledgements this evening and let you know that there are no membership fees to join AA. All you need to do is want to look into giving up drinking. Stop that drinking, come in and see us, we can help you get through there. You might be at that place of desperation where you know you need to give up. Closing acknowledgements too to you the listeners. Thank you very much for spending the evening with me. I want to uh, remind our listeners out there, if you want to drink, well, that is your business. If you want to stop, we can help. Now, there's a couple of places you can go for that. You can call our 0800 AA Works. That's 0800 229 You can also jump onto the New Zealand website aa.org.nz and you can also get onto the website here for the Otago area which is aaotago.org.nz If you feel like sending us a card or something in the post we're at PO Box 6115 Dunedin North Dunedin 9059 So we're going to finish with a song this evening Please do take care of yourselves out there Until next time Matewa. I've had choices. Choices.
Since the day that I was born There were voices Voices That told me right from wrong If I had listened Listen I wouldn't be here today Living, dying With the choices I've made I was tempted At an early age I found that I liked drinking No, I'll never turn it down There were loved ones But I chased them all away Now I'm living and dying With the choices I've made This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.